Well, as we continue in our study of Nehemiah, the wall has been rebuilt in 52 days. It was an amazing feat. It would be an amazing feat to do today. It was certainly an amazing feat to have been done then. And we've seen along the way the enemy has been relentless. You know, one of the things that I have learned over the years in ministry, and, and, and I would say the hard way, as most things that I learn, is that we are most vulnerable after victories in our life. I hope that you have identified that in your life, but you, usually after we've had a great victory, we need to be on guard the most because the enemy will change his tactics ever so slightly, and, and the front-on assault that we're accustomed to changes, and he kind of backdoors it. And that's what we're going to see in Nehemiah chapter 6 uh, today, that we can easily get caught off guard by distractions that derail. The enemy wants to take us out, and he'll do whatever he can to distract us from continuing to glorify God and make his glory known. You know, even Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 7, you know, as he said that we need to enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and, and that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. But narrow is the gate that leads to life, and few ever find it. I'm convinced that all across the world today that people will sit in church pews thinking that they found the narrow gate, but only one day to find that they didn't. When you walk with Jesus intimately and closely and you seek to glorify him, you will undergo spiritual warfare of all kinds. An enemy will change his tactics over and over and over again. And so if you've never really experienced spiritual warfare, um, it, it may mean that you're not a threat to the enemy. And he has nothing to worry about with you. But when you, I'm telling you, when you walk with Jesus and you are seeking to glorify him in all that you, will do, that you do, you will experience a battle that is unlike any. And that battle sometimes gets weary. We get worn out. And as I've said before, the enemy never takes a vacation. Never. And so what he likes to do a lot of times is to distract us. If he can't get us with the obvious he begins to distract. And one of the first distractions that we see in Nehemiah chapter 6 is the distraction of compromise. Now, when you think about compromise, what comes to your mind? It may be that you're in conflict with somebody else, your spouse or a business partner, and, and compromise is everybody giving up a little bit so that you can find common ground to move forward. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, compromise in this context, it really means danger. That if, if you compromise at all, that it's going to lead to destruction. You know, the, and, and this is what we cannot compromise, God's word. We can't compromise it at all. I, I would expect that as you look back in your life when you've compromised this at just a tiny bit, it's led to destruction. Just a minor, and this is what the enemy tries to do, you know, just a minor twist of what truth is, and every time it leads to something else. While I was at Auburn, I worked with a baseball coach there that was a strong believer, and uh, he, he all the time was talking to his players about compromise, and this is what he likened it to. He said, compromise is like when you have your finger in a leak of a dam. Compromise is pulling it out because you're tired of having it in there. 
you know, and what may start as a little drip, because of the pressure of the water, will go to a, a pretty fast flow, which will eventually destroy the whole thing. Once you pull your finger out, it's all over. That's the type of compromise that we're talking about. When we compromise God's standard, the pressure behind of sin will lead to destruction every time. The spiritual journey is not an easy one. You know, as Jesus said, narrow is the gate that leads to life. And few ever find it. As we come into, into Nehemiah chapter 6, the enemy was not able to stop the rebuilding of the wall. And they, he comes and he changes his tactic. And so beginning in verse 1, it says, Now Sambalad and Tobiah and Geshub the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although at that time I had not set the doors and the gates. Sambalad and Geshub sent me saying, Come, let us meet together. And so what you have here is the wall has been rebuilt and these guys kind of have the mindset, if you can't beat them, join them. You ever heard that one before? But we'll see it a little bit later on as we go through the text a little bit more carefully. Nehemiah knew that they didn't want to join him. They wanted to kill him. And we cannot compromise. The enemy loves to get a foothold so that as he gets in, then he blows up everything from within. And if we're going to fulfill the mission that God has given us, the mission to make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded, we have to be very careful that we make sure we don't compromise God's word. We need to be very careful that we work with the right people at the right time for the right purpose to fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, there's a verse that we often forget about. In, in verses 13 through 15, Paul's talking about making sure we don't work with those who are not on the same page. He says this, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants disguise, dis, dis, disguise themselves also as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. You know, I've watched... Over the years of working with college students and other people, I've watched them compromise in partnerships with people. Whether it's a business partnership or a dating relationship or even marriage, I've watched them compromise God's standard. And guess what it's led to? Destruction every time. God gives us these instructions not so that life is hard. He gives us the, destruction, the, the instructions so that we stay on the straight and narrow. We stay on the path that leads to righteousness. It's not a list of do's and don'ts so that we don't have fun. It's a, it's a guidance so that we can experience life the way he created us to experience. When it says, do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever, that is there to protect us from compromise. I'll tell you what, missionary dating, don't do it. If you think that you're going to change somebody else and you're dating them so that you don't do it, they are not going to change their standard. You're going to end up compromising yours to find some common ground. It doesn't work. You wait for them to become a man or woman of God before you go into a dating relationship with them or you go into a business partnership with them because you're going to end up being the one that compromises. 
We cannot compromise God's word. And the enemy is so slick. We get tired and, and weary of doing right. And, and we forget the whole point of it. The point of Nehemiah building a wall was what? It wasn't for the protection of the people so much as it was the glory of God. I met with the youth last night at the Turkey Bowl. And by the way, I did not play. Maybe next year. Sometime with age comes wisdom. Sometimes. But as I was asked to give the devotion to them, and I was thinking about it all day, what, what am I going to say? You know, we got a pretty good youth group, but what am I going to say? And, and what came to my mind, I'm like, nah, well, all day I was wrestling with, nah, I don't need to say that. But I couldn't come up with anything else. I prayed about it all day. And what I shared with them, and I asked them this question. I said, how many of you would change something about yourself if you could? And I told them, don't raise your hands, but I'd expect every single one of them. And if I asked you the same question, we'd all say, yeah, I'd like to change X, Y, and Z. I told him this, you know what, we are created in the image of God. He created you just the way he wants you. He gave you the abilities, the talents, the spiritual gifts that he wanted you to have. And for us to not like that is to say, what about God? You messed up. But God doesn't fail. He doesn't make mistakes. He's created us just the way he wants us to be with the skills and the talents that we have so that we can glorify him uniquely in a way that nobody else can, that we can make his glory known in a way and with a group of people that nobody else will be able to. And I encourage them that as you go through life, and I gave them a few biblical principles, the biggest that's transformed my life is do everything unto God and not man. Makes sense, right? When we, those of us that are older, we can think when we did it for somebody else, for their approval, we either never got it or it didn't work. But when you do everything as unto the Lord and not unto men, you're always trying to glorify Him. You know what? Life usually goes fairly well. Not easy, but fairly well. That when we seek to glorify Him in everything that we do, it makes more sense. Nehemiah was trying to glorify God in everything that he did. And when these guys came trying to, to get him to compromise, he wasn't going to have anything to do with it. So they upped their ante. The enemy doesn't play fair. The enemy is fairly dirty in what he does. And the second distraction that we see in chapter 6 is the distraction of slander. Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever had somebody slander you, you know, and say things about you that even though, as Nehemiah knew, aren't true, it's hard. It's hard not to defend yourself. We're going to see how Nehemiah allowed God to defend him. You know, that's hard when people are saying things about you that could have serious consequences. It's hard to keep your mouth shut. You know, one of the, one of the difficult things as, as leaders, and I'm learning this more and more and more, one of the difficult things as leaders is you just got to wear things. People very, very rarely have all the information that's available, and they'll come to conclusions and say things about you that you just kind of have to eat. Well, that doesn't go well with my personality. As an athlete, somebody calls you out, let's go. It, it's, it's very difficult for people to say things. The enemy has used the attacks on me and slander as he has many other people in ways that on three or four occasions I've come this close to just saying, I'm done. In fact, I've looked for other jobs. And by God's grace, he didn't let me find anything. The enemy will get you where he knows it hurts the most. And for me personally, 
You know, it's, it's one thing to say it about me, but when it affects my family, that's my soft spot. And there's been many times I'm just, I'm done with this. I'm so tired of going through this stuff and having my family have to put up with me as I'm going through it. My family have to endure this stuff. I'm done. Maybe you've been there. People say things about you that's hurtful. But we need to learn from Nehemiah that the enemy likes to take those things and use it to try to get us off course. When you are doing what God is calling you to do, when you are glorifying God, these things will happen. And as we get to the end of our time today, we're going to look at how Nehemiah dealt with each of these. But if you look in, in chapter 6 and verse 5 and 6, you see what happens. So it says... Um, and it, was, and it was written. So what, what happens here is they come and they slander him. He, he's told them four times that I'm not coming to see you at Oh No. I'm not coming. And so what they do, they, they send this letter back. And in verse, verse 6, it says, And it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Gesem also says that you and the Jews intend to rebel. This is why you're building the wall. And according to these reports, you desire to become their king. And so they're, they're saying these things that aren't true. They're saying these things to, to, to get to the next distraction, which is the distraction of fear. That he uses slander to get you to think about, you know what, if people really find out, in Nehemiah's case, if the king, King Artaxerxes, who he was the cupbearer for, if he finds out that I said these, and I didn't say them, but if he finds out or he thinks I said this, guess what Persian kings did? They came and killed you. They tolerated none of that. And Nehemiah knew this. And so they were trying to get him to be fearful. And, you know, and so when, when slander is an attempt to do what? Slander is an attempt to damage your credibility, to damage who you are, to get you to fear the consequences. And so they do that with Nehemiah. They're saying that he's going to be king. And Nehemiah knows good and well what's going to happen if the king finds that out. And so they're stirring this up. They put it in a letter format so that's read in public so that word gets out that all these people think that Nehemiah is doing this. It's not true. We'll see how Nehemiah responded to it. But then they went another level, one that often catches us off guard in the church. They went and they attacked from the inside. Probably the greatest wounds that I've ever experienced and the greatest wounds many people ever experience are the wounds that come from inside the church, from God's people. Sometimes, unbeknownst to us, the enemy will use us as fellow believers in Jesus Christ and distort the truth that, so we think it's true, and then we come to conclusions about somebody else without ever asking, and Satan uses us to attack them and in many times take them out of ministry altogether. Look at verse 11 through 14. His enemies recruit one of the prophets. The prophet comes to Nehemiah, and he's, he really wants to protect Nehemiah. And so he says this, verse 10, I went to the house of Shemaiah, you know, this is the prophet, and he says this, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They, they are coming to kill you by night. And so this guy comes alongside of Nehemiah, and he says, look, I know they're coming. Hey, let's go hide in the temple. Now, that may not sound like a big deal. It may like sound like, hey, this guy really has Nehemiah's 
interest in mind. But once again, Nehemiah, because he's walking with the Lord, because as we'll see in a moment, he's a man of prayer, he sniffs it out. He realizes that this guy is actually an imposter who is a prophet of Jerusalem, of, of the Israelites, and, and he sniffs it out. And so here we have all these distractions, the distraction of compromise, the distraction of slander, the distraction of fear that are all very real, and you will face if you're walking with Jesus. But I wanted to spend the time looking at what Nehemiah did to overcome these distractions. You're going to experience distractions if you are walking with the Lord. The very first thing he did to overcome these distractions was he stayed focused. Nehemiah was an incredibly focused man. He was there for the glory of God. If you turn back to verse 3, you know, they, you know, they, they uh, are inviting him to come. And he, he sent messengers uh, to basically tell them that four different times, look, I'm not coming. He said, why should we stop the work and leave it and come down to you? And he sent messengers four times to tell him, I'm not coming. He stayed focused on what God had called him to do. It was really to glorify God, to restore God's glory in all the land. You know, but here's an interesting thing that I think is so important. The, the second thing he did to overcome these distractions is he stayed focused, but then he gave God the credit. I think this is so important because our sinful nature, we desire to take the credit. When there's spiritual success, we need to recognize it was God who did it. Yeah, he, you might have been a part of the process, but who gave you the talents that you have to, to serve, the talents you have to lead, the talent you do even have to stay focused? God gave it to you. It was God who allowed the wall to be rebuilt in 52 days. It was God who gave Nehemiah the talents to be able to, to organize in the way he did. You know, and so we see in the very beginning of verse 3, he said, I sent messengers to say to them, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. You know, he's a part of this great work. What's the great work? It's what God called him to be a part of. I am a part of this great work. If we ever forget that, we've already compromised, right? If we think we've accomplished anything for the glory of God on our own strength, we have been deceived. It's not about us. It's not about our skills. It's about what God gave us. God gave us the talents, the physical talents, you know, the, you know, all the, the spiritual gifts that you have. He gave you all the things that you have to use for his glory. He's the one that gave it to you in the first place. Now, yeah, he expects you to be a good steward and develop those things, but we need to make sure that God gets the glory. And that's what Nehemiah was all about. But when it comes to slander, when people slander your name, if you want to overcome that, you need to allow God to be your defender. As I said before, this is very difficult for me. You know, the competitor in me, you, you want to say something, you want to fight, come on. Last man standing wins. That's just my personality, but that's not very spiritual, is it? And I struggle with that all the time. You know, and one of the difficult things as a leader is we always have more information than the average person has. You know, and so when people come and they say things, my tendency is, you know, if I just gave you a little bit of information, you'd change your mind. But I can't. You have to eat that and you have to wear that. You know, and you need to, as Nehemiah did, allow God to be your defender. It is so hard to do that. But have you ever tried to defend yourself when people come with accusations against you? Does it really help? It really just stirs it up a little bit more, doesn't it? And so look at verse 8 and 9. 
And they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and cause confusion. And we prayed to our God. I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong chapter. I knew that sounded funny. Verse 8 and 9 of chapter 6. And then I sent him saying, No such things that you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they wanted to frighten us, thinking that their hands will drop the work, and it will not be done. Look what he does next. But now, O oh God, you strengthen my hands. He stopped and he prayed. He asked God to strengthen him. He asked God to take care of it. You know, and so if you want to overcome distractions, we need to make sure that we allow God to defend us. We need to give him the credit. We need to stay focused. But, you know, here's another important thing, and then there's one more after that. We need to commit to obedience. You know, the very thing that the enemy is trying to do is to get us to stop obeying God and stop doing what he's called us to do. And, and you can see all throughout chapter 6, and I encourage you to go back and look, Nehemiah was committed to obeying God. He left being the cupbearer of the king to obey God, to go back and restore and rebuild the wall. He, he never wavered. He was able to stay focused because of his commitment to be obedient to what God had called him to do no matter what. He continued to pray all throughout this process, and you see the prayers. And it's interesting in this chapter these prayers are, some people call them shotgun prayers. They're in the midst of the moment, these short prayers that we fire up to God, you know, in the midst of the battle, in the midst of things, you know, that we're, we're continuing to pray to God. He committed to be obedient. If you want to have success in the Christian journey, you cannot compromise God's word. We need to say that no matter what, we are going to obey the standards that are in here. God doesn't give us these standards so that life is miserable. He gives us these standards that are in here so that we can experience the life that he's designed us to experience in the first place. And I know all of us have experienced when we get away from that, when we don't obey, it leads to destruction. But there's one last thing that Nehemiah is so good at that I want you to understand. If you want to overcome the distractions of the enemy, you've got to pray. You've got to pray. We see this in, in verse 9 when they were frightened us. He said, but now, O oh God, please strengthen my hands. You know, I, we need to understand that our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, the, against the enemy. We cannot see. You, you can't do it on your own. We need to ask God to strengthen us, to give us strength and to give us courage, you know, to, to keep us from being fearful of all the things that they're saying and doing. In verse 14, you know, he, he, he asked God, to remember the things that they were doing. Here's even this prophet of Jerusalem, the prophet of the Israelites that's coming against Nehemiah that, that his enemies had bought off. And he prays. If you want to grow in your walk with the Lord, you need to obey this. And you need to learn how to pray. I'm not talking about the prayers that we usually ask in church. You know, we, have, we give this list of these prayer needs. Well, you know, we need, we need to learn how to pray. We need to learn warfare prayers. We need to learn how to pray in the midst when we need discernment. We need to learn how to pray and then listen. That's part of prayer, listening to what God says. As Listen as we read the Word. Ask Him to reveal truth to us. Ask Him in the midst of things to, to allow us to see what we cannot see. Allow us to make wise choices. Allow us to have discernment as Nehemiah did. He knew these guys were out to kill him. How did he know that? Because as he spent time with God and he spent time in prayer, the Holy Spirit put this impression upon him and he knew. How did he know that this prophet was against him? 
It was the discernment that God gave him. Nehemiah was a man of prayer. Have you ever considered how many things God accomplishes in ministry outside of prayer? Can you think of one? David Jeremiah was thinking about that same question, so he started to do a study, and here's what he says. And this is in his book, Prayer, the Great Adventure. He says this, I scoured the New Testament some time ago looking for the things that God does in ministry that are not prompted by prayer. You know what I found? Nothing. I don't mean I had trouble finding an item or two. I mean I found nothing. Everything God does in the work of ministry, he does through prayer. Nehemiah understood this. You might have understood the power of prayer. Everything that we do that's worth doing, everything that God wants to do in the church, everything that God wants to do in your life is subjugated to one thing, prayer. Prayer is the way you defeat the devil. It is the way you get the lost saved. It is the way you acquire wisdom. It is the way a backslider gets restored. It is the way that strengths are strengthened. saints are strengthened. It is the way we get laborers into the mission field. It is how the sick are cured. It is how we accomplish the impossible. It is through prayer and the obedience to God's word. You want to have success in the spiritual journey? You want to have success in the midst of spiritual warfare? We need to stay focused on glorifying God. We need to allow God to be our defender. We need to be obedient to his word, and we need to be people of prayer. We need to learn how to pray. As we conclude this morning, which one of these things or two of these things do you need to work on the most? The reality is this, that we're all, when we're trying to give God glory, we're going to experience warfare of various kinds and if he can't get us with the front on attack he changes his tactics to try to distract us to get us to compromise and once he gets us to take our finger out then it's it's so difficult to work our way back the best way to get back is to read this Folks, there is nothing more important in your spiritual development and your spiritual courage and your spiritual maturity and gaining wisdom and insight and discernment than reading this. And I don't mean reading it on Sunday morning. I mean reading it every day. Get a little bit of it. There are Bible apps now that will read it for you. That as you're going to work in the car If you're so busy that you don't have time to read, put the app on and let it read it for you. The most important thing that you could do is to read God's word and then in prayer, ask God to give you insight into what he's saying in the word so that you can obey, so that you can stay focused, so that you can, through prayer and the obedience of the reading of God's word, see things that you would not see on your own, make wise choices that you would not make on your own so that you can have success in the midst of the battles that you face. As we come to this time of invitation, which one or two of these things do you need to work on the most and I'm just asking would you make a commitment before God to do that maybe you're going through some stuff right now and fear is overwhelmed maybe you need other people 
to be your prayer warriors for you because you just don't know how. That's what the body of Christ is for. We have people that are counselors. That, that this is what they do here at the church. They, they want to be those people to come alongside of you. The enemy wants you to think that nobody else in the church is going through what you are. Well, let me tell you something. I guarantee you somebody is either going through it or has been through it. And we'd like to partner you up with some of those people so that you can do life together with those who've already been through what you're going through. They can understand in ways that nobody else is going to be able to understand. They can point you to the scriptures that God used in them. And you know what? They can pray in ways for you that nobody else is going to be able to because of their experience. Maybe you just need to come and say, I need help. I need somebody to pray for me. I want to be partnered up with somebody in the church that can walk with me. If God has spoken to you, be courageous and do what everything inside of you is telling you not to do. Come and talk to our counselors so that we can walk through this journey with you so that you, like Nehemiah, can stay focused, stay committed and obedient to what God has called you to do, to bring him glory. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you for the story of Nehemiah and the truth that we see in it that even in the midst of the battle that he doesn't sugarcoat it. He tells it the way it is. And Lord, he gives us the, he, he lets us know that there was times that he struggled, there's times that he struggled with fear creeping in. But God, his example is one that we need to follow. But Lord, sometimes don't even know how. Lord, the enemy beats us up. The enemy defies us every time. And Lord, we get tired and we want to throw in the towel. But God, I pray that you would help us to be courageous, to share our struggles with others so we can come alongside of one another and bear one another's burdens and, and encourage one another as the, the Jews did as they were building the wall, that they, they stood together fighting for one another. And God, you were glorified. And so, Lord, we ask that the same things can happen right now this morning and continue to happen in this body of believers as we come together to make your glory known, as we come together to strengthen one another, and we come together through obedience of your word and prayer and see you do things in our lives that we just couldn't do on our own. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.